Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your healing mercies, and we thank you for the opportunity that your word in Isaiah and your word in Luke bring to us today. Not just a message of hope or love, but a message of joy. May it be your joy that's real in our hearts, that our minds and our spirits will be open to experience you in a new and fresh way this morning. In your name I pray, amen. So did you catch the focus words for today's worship? You know the title of today's, look at it there in your program. I believe in God. Ode to Joy. Online, do you see that? I hope you've got your program with you and follow along in the different words or, or places of Scripture that we have this morning. Ode to Joy. Do you know the Ode to Joy? Does that ring a bell? Perhaps in a wedding in the recessional, maybe even your own or one in your family. It's popular in commercials or even in some movies. Do you know the story behind Ode to Joy? It began in 1785. Friedrich Schiller was a German playwright and poet and historian, and he wrote this poem, Ode to Joy. Through the years, he adapted it, and in 1824, Ludwig van Beethoven put it in his fourth and final movement of his Ninth Symphony, one of his probably most famous symphonies, and it became a great work in Western music, because it introduced a revolutionary concept, the inclusion of a choral composition in a symphony. But listen to Schiller's own words about this ode. Despite the lasting popularity, he regarded it as a failure later in his life. And he wrote a letter to his friend, the friend whose friendship inspired the writing of this ode, and this is what he said. The poem was detached from reality, of value maybe for us too, but not for the world, nor for the art of poetry. Schiller failed to see the hope in what he had provided, but thousands over 200 years have found joy in the gifts of Schiller and Beethoven as experienced and expressed in the Ode to Joy. And even Europe and now the European Union have it as its national anthem. What experiences in your life have brought you joy. Where have you found that deep, resounding joy for you? One day, many years ago, an angel appear, appeared to a woman to bring her news of great joy, and this news would transform her life, and this news has the capacity to transform ours. That is, if we embrace it, and if we do, then it brings great joy. So I invite you to hear the good news this morning, contained in the book of Luke, the story of Mary and Gabriel, and listen to Mary's actions or reactions to Gabriel's message. Join me in Luke chapter 1, and we'll be focusing on 26 through 38, 
But to set the scripture up, I'll read Luke 1, the first four verses. So if you've got your program guide with you, the scripture is in it. It's from the Common English Bible online. At your program guide, you have it. Or get your Bible. It's time to get your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Many people have already applied themselves to the task of compiling an account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used what the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed down to us. Now, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, I have also decided to write a carefully ordered account for you, most honorable Theophilus. I want you to have confidence in the soundness of the instruction you have received. Going to verse 26. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't worry, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever. And there will be no end to his kingdom. Then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's Son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In today's scripture, we meet Gabriel for the second time. In those verses between verse 4 and 26 that I read, we see that Gabriel comes and foretells. He, he foretells the future that Zechariah and Elizabeth will have a son. And then in today's scripture, we see that Gabriel foretells the birth of Jesus to Mary. What do we know about Mary? She was neither from royal lineage, nor was she a political benefactor. But she was a young, modest, Jewish maiden from an unimportant city called Nazareth, engaged to Joseph, who was a carpenter. It's into this picture enters Gabriel, who has a message for Mary. An unlikely visitor with an unlikely message for an unlikely girl. But it is in this news that she later finds joy. And so can we. We see her joy in today's scripture 
but we really see it just after today's scripture beginning in 46. If you have your Bibles that you happen to be looking at, look at that, or I encourage you to read the full chapter of Luke 1 to catch this story. We know it as Mary's song or the Magnificat. It's another ode to joy. Mary says this, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. It's this divine message in Luke that brings inspiration to the unlikely. In the same way that Isaiah's words that the bakers read earlier bring hope to the Israelites who are in exile. Let's take a closer look at Mary's actions or reactions to Gabriel's message. How might they be similar to our own searches and our own experiences of joy? Before Mary found joy, she approached the angel with caution. Look at the beginning of the scripture in your program with you, in your worship guide, or look at verses 28 and 29 if you're looking at your Bible. Gabriel approached Mary with these words. Greetings, favorite one. The Lord is with you. But Mary is perplexed and ponders what these greetings might be. Have you ever seen an angel? Have you ever seen one of those celestial beings from heaven that we picture in gold or the trumpets in all its glory and light? I imagine if I saw one, I would be overjoyed, but I confess, I probably would be a little scared too, and I would ponder what the angel had to say. Though Mary approached the angel with caution, she's assured that she has found favor with God. What unexpected moments in your life have you discovered joy? Especially in what moments did you least expect that God revealed himself and gave you an assurance of his joy during that moment? What happens in those times? We relish in it, we feel affirmed in it, we are grateful for it. But then we begin to go, really, did that just happen? Is that true? Can I count on that? We doubt perhaps that it's real. Look at Mary's next action, a reaction to Gabriel. She not only approaches the message with caution, but there's a little doubt that we hear from Mary too. For the angel says, you're going to bear a son. How can this be, Mary says, I'm a virgin. How often, when God reveals himself to us, how often when we hear God's verse or affirmation, how often when we feel that nudging from God, do we doubt it? Do we question it? Do we wonder, is that God really speaking to me? Is he really calling me to do that, to say that, to go there, to be this? God's often shouting through the doubt. Are we listening with a voice of expectation? Do we believe in our heart that he can do the impossible with that which we are facing? Do we believe that maybe God's speaking to me? It took me a while to clarify my call to be a pastor. I worked in youth ministry for a while, and thank goodness there were many people, many angels who encouraged my journey, and God affirmed my call in my spirit. 
When messages or messengers appear, especially when God is involved, we must respond through our doubt or even selfish preference to the point of action, godly action. How can this be, Mary says? The angel tells us it's by the power of God through the Holy Spirit, which will overshadow you. In other words, this child will be God's child, and he will be called the Son of God. Mary had seen the presence of God, had seen a sign from God through the angel. But when she hears the message, there's no doubt. The doubt is wiped away on who is sending these words to her. Mary approaches the angel with caution, but she is assured that she has found favor with God. Mary approaches this message with doubt, but then she understands who is behind it. The next action of Mary is one of resoluteness, of resoluteness. The joy begins to take hold. And Mary approaches God with steadfastness and the beginning of an unwavering determination. Look what she's asked to do. Mary is never asked if she'd be willing to carry the Son of God. She just accepts it. She accepts it. There are two kinds of people. People who ask a lot of questions... I'm one of those, I confess. And people who just simply accept and find joy in their simple response. I wish I could be a little more simple there. It's what I saw a few weeks ago when we stopped, when people would stop on a busy road for this guy and other people who were holding signs in a bucket and we were collecting money for MIFA in our interfaith Thanksgiving time together. And people stopped on the busy road. They didn't ask questions, and they gave. You know what that experience did for me? It was just a few days later when I was at the local grocery store, and I saw somebody collecting money, but I just went inside. When I came out, I could see him face to face, eye to eye. A lady was sitting in a chair, and they were raising money for a local shelter and had a sign and had a bucket. And you know what I did? I put money in the bucket. And you know what happened? I found joy. I discovered joy. Earlier in Luke 1, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who were the first visitors of Gabriel, Gabriel, have been told that they would have a son. We learn it's John the Baptist. They had been fervently praying for this, and their prayer was being answered. But Gabriel's announcement to Mary, it's totally different. It's unanticipated. Not only is Mary not asked if she's willing, she doesn't even have a say-so in what his name will be. When God calls us, we have a choice. We have a choice, but we usually know which one is right. We can fight it, or we can approach the Lord with steadfastness. This approach is not giving in to but it's joining forces with. Trusting in the power of the Most High, responding in faith to the message we've been given. When we know God is in it, we can and should move 
forward. And thank goodness he sends his angels to help us along the way. Mary's visit with Gabriel and her resulting actions and reactions to his message is the point that Mary's life intersected with God's will. The result was joy. But the results were not only limited to Mary. When we really listen to God and follow through, when we hear his voice and we're willing to respond in faith and trust, we see that the kingdom of God is impacted and others' lives are also transformed. Look toward the end of the scripture that you're given there in your worship guide and It's verse 37 if you're looking at your Bible. Gabriel's last words to Mary are, Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary says, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Mary can respond that way. She can say those words because she has found joy in the Lord. A joy that is not dependent upon her circumstances. Then what does the angel tell Mary? That she is favored by God. What an interesting blessing. Right? We, we think of blessings as one of prosperity, of wealth, and of health. Listen to this blessing that Mary receives. You're going to have a child before you're publicly married. Many are going to ridicule you and the child and persecute him, and later he's going to die on a cross. What kind of blessing does that sound like? God's blessings are never a guarantee of high attainment, but they are of a joy that we can ponder for the rest of our lives. That is, if we too recognize God's claim on us, and call on our lives, even as unlikely people. Gabriel's message of a Savior to be born through Mary is an announcement of hope, of love, of joy. You've heard that over the past three weeks we've been sharing this series together. It's a message for all of humankind. God has not abandoned us to the consequences of our own sinfulness. But he has sent us a deliverer. That is good news in which we all can rejoice, though we have doubt. It's news in which we can take action, even when we are cautious. The Ode to Joy text that Beethoven implied in his fourth and final movement of his ninth symphony was a celebratory poem addressing the unity of humankind. It was written in German, but when it's translated in English, these are the first words that you hear. O friend, no more of these sounds. Let us sing more cheerful songs, more songs full of joy, 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 joy. Bringing in the spark of divinity. Furthermore, this tune of Ode to Joy is also the tune of a familiar hymn in which we sing. 
Do you know what the name of that hymn is? Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. You'll recognize it. This has been a powerful witness to the human spirit to overcome adversity in many instances around the globe. One example is British composer Billy Bragg, who wrote an alternative translation. And in the words he wrote, he says, to furnish every heart with joy that all hatred may be banished for good. Now, most of us are not poets or masterful musical composers, yet God has equipped us for this enlarged capacity for joy. Did you hear that? Did you catch that? No matter what you're facing, no matter what we're facing, God has created you with an enlarged capacity for joy. The more we seek Him, the more we seek to listen to the angels around us, the more He fills us with this inexpressible and glorious joy. Ode to joy. God's joy is a movement that brings music to my ears and a joy that stirs my heart. May your ears be tickled and may your heart be stirred by the joy of Christmas that God brings to us through a Christ child. And may you be willing to share that joy with someone else. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you, gracious Lord, that even in the midst of what we face, in conjunction with what the world faces, and so much probably more in which we personally in our own lives, our own families face, that you have created us with this enlarged capacity for joy. Lord, we need it. We feel robbed of the joy of experiences, of traditions, of family time, of friend time, of school time. And so, Lord, help us to rekindle that joy, perhaps in new and fresh ways in which we've not before, or perhaps, Lord, in more simpler, simple ways. Lord, may that joy be based in you, not dependent upon our circumstances, but dependent upon you. In your name, amen.